Come into CVS today and get free flu shots for the whole family. Plus, get a $5 off $20 shopping pass with each one. Visit CVS today. No-cost flu shots with most insurance. Restrictions apply. Visit cvs.com for details. The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. from Washington, D.C. every Wednesday from 3 to 4 p.m. for an hour-long Generation Progress takeover. Check us out at genprogress.org or on Twitter at genprogress. Hello and welcome to the Generation Progress takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm your co-host, Brent J. Cohen. And I'm Charlotte Hancock. And so here we are in the year 2020. Uh, Things have been... Uh, interesting to say the least, uh, as we are dealing with uh, just, you know, it seems like a ton of upheaval, a ton of uncertainty, everything from how we're going to address and deal with the public health crisis and pandemic of coronavirus, the resulting economic crisis, and then smaller things. Are schools going to open or not? So children can go to school safely and so parents can um, make sure that their kids are taken care of. And so one thing that you would think would be settled here in the year 2020 is that climate change is real. Um, And if you think that, in a way, you'd be forgiven because 97% of scientists believe climate change is real and that human activity is responsible for it. But the uh, disturbing truth is that there are a lot of people in powerful government positions right now, today, July of 2020, Uh, who still deny the science and deny climate change. Um, These are folks who are sitting in powerful seats in Congress. These are folks who are sitting in powerful seats in the current administration, the executive branch of of the Trump administration. Um, And it's just incredibly dangerous since almost all experts agree that we have very limited time to act to mitigate the existing effects of climate change and prevent the climate crisis from continuing Uh, You know, I think, thankfully, uh, particularly from our perspective here at Generation Progress, but from a world perspective, thankfully, young people across the political spectrum are overwhelmingly united on the need to take action on the climate crisis right, right now. Uh, Nearly three quarters of young people believe that climate change poses a significant threat to our planet, and that includes 60% of self-identified Republicans. So in recognition of these things, in recognition of the severity of the climate crisis, in recognition of young people's leadership on this issue, and in recognition of the climate denial that continues in our government today, Generation Progress will be relaunching our Get the Facts Out campaign tomorrow to expose people in power who continue to deny the reality of climate science. The website, which is a... Getthefactsout.com. We encourage you all to visit tomorrow 
gives people the tools they need to identify climate deniers serving in government roles, roles, debunk myths surrounding climate change, you know, things like, oh, I'm not a scientist. I don't know what causes it. We can, we will help you with the tools to debunk that and also help you voice opinions on the issue using our click to tweet tool. So that's what we have going on tomorrow and launching tomorrow. And to talk with us today about why climate denial is so dangerous and what must be done to push back against it, we are joined by Jessica Loya, an environmental advocate and equitable policy strategist who has led the charge for the inclusion of Latinx community voices in climate conservation and water policy. Jessica, thanks so much for joining us. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited uh, to have this very important conversation with you all. Absolutely, so are we, so are we. And we are we are also joined by Shaughnessy Naughton, the president of 314 Action and a former candidate for Congress in Pennsylvania. Thanks for joining us, Shaughnessy. Hi, Brent, thanks for inviting me. Yes, absolutely. So Charlotte and I are, are excited about this conversation. We know how important it is um, to sort of uh, get the facts out. Nope, actually, no pun intended. Uh, but to get the facts out there about climate, uh, the climate <laughs> crisis and the importance of, of taking action on climate. So to, to get us started, Jessica, uh, would you mind telling us a little bit about what drew you to the work on environmental policy and equity? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, it really starts with um, my personal story and, and where and how I grew up. Um, so I grew up in East Los Angeles in California. Um, and my childhood home, uh, where I lived with my single mother and three other siblings, um, abutted a major freeway um, in downtown Los Angeles. And the amount of air pollution in the area meant that I and my siblings were highly exposed. And unfortunately, um, I was diagnosed with asthma at a very young age. Um, I was the first person in my family to, to be diagnosed with, with asthma. Um, and so it was really new, both for my mom um, and my family to understand how best to keep me safe. Um, and what was happening um, around that. But I wasn't the only young child in my community um, that was being diagnosed, um, that were, you know, we were realizing um, high numbers of my schoolmates um, were also being diagnosed with childhood asthma. Um, air pollution uh, is not the only environmental justice issue in my community. Um, that, I, that I experienced, you know, in addition to lack, lack of access to public green space, um, you know, we were considered one of the most park poor areas in Los Angeles, um, lack of access to affordable drinking water. Um, you know, I, I, you know, talk back now with my mother about the struggles of being a single mom and, and affording, um, you know, uh, our water bill and electricity bill. Uh, and it was in high school that I, I decided to focus um, on the environment and, and have since dedicated my life to finding ways to improve these issues um, via multiple local campaigns. And in 2015, um, moving to Washington, D.C. Uh, to specifically work on elevating the voices and priorities of communities like mine and other BIPOC community leaders uh, in these issues. 
Thanks, Jessica. Thanks for thanks for sharing your story, uh, the sort of your origin story of of your entrance into this work, and and thanks so much for the work that you're doing. Um, Shaughnessy, can you tell us a little bit about your organization, Three One Four Action, and and how you came to this work? Sure. Um... Well, 314 Action is named uh, uh, after Pi, the first three digits of Pi, and is a nod to what we are trying to do uh, to elect scientists. Uh, my background is I was, a, I was a chemist. I worked in breast cancer research, and in 2014, um, just grew incredibly frustrated with the lack of action on, on climate change and, you know, scores of repeals of or attempted repeals at the Affordable Care Act, and even after Sandy Hook, nothing happening on gun violence, and realized that, you know, this wasn't a problem of science, this was a problem of policymakers. And so I decided to uh, probably rather naively run for Congress to make a difference, um, and discovered uh, that it's very hard to break into politics when you don't come from that traditional political background. Um, and uh, we had to get very creative as to how we were going to fund the campaign and did a lot of outreach to scientists, uh, making the case that even if they couldn't vote for me, we would benefit by having more analytical thinkers in Congress. And so we started building this network. I didn't win the primary, but I went, um, I founded this organization to uh, recruit, train, and elect scientists to public office from school board up through the state and federal level with the thinking that we benefit by having greater diversity of experience um, and particularly by having people with uh, scientific and technical backgrounds that will uh, look at the facts and evidence and base their conclusions and, and policy prescriptions on that. Yeah. You know, I think when we're we're talking about science today in the context of climate change, um, but both of you touched on the science behind healthcare as well in your in your sort of um, beginning of the conversation here, whether it was with childhood asthma or talking about the Affordable Care Act, and we know that these issues are intersectional. And so, as we talk about the current coronavirus pandemic and the way that COVID is disproportionately impacting communities of color, for example, that has a lot to do um, also with the type of environmental factors that Jessica was talking about at the outset, uh, yeah. air pollution that give rise to things like childhood asthma in, in higher rates in, in black and Latinx communities and other communities. Right, so, like this is not just like uh, <laughs> glaciers melting and polar bears losing their homes, which I feel like was the image of this for so long. Um, it's really impacting uh, neighborhoods and people on an everyday basis now. And I think those stories really show that. Um, so you've been listening to Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. Um, we're going to be right back in just a few minutes to keep talking about uh, getthefactsout.com. And we'll see you all soon. Welcome back to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm your co-host, Charlotte Hancock. And I'm Brent J. Cohen. 
Um, so we're talking today about climate denial, um, as if there's not enough going on in the world, we still have people, uh, in our leadership and in our government who are, uh, parroting the talking points of the fossil fuel industry. Uh, I wonder if that is a coincidence or not, Brent. Um, but to talk with us more about why climate denial is dangerous, um, and what must be done to push back against it. Um, we are joined by Jess Kaloya, an environmental advocate and equitable policy strategist, um, as well as Shaughnessy Naughton, the president of 314 Action. Thanks so much to both of you for joining us. Thanks. Um, so Jessica, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to launch right back in here um, with a question for you. As we, as we mentioned in the introduction, um, Generation Progress is relaunching our Get the Facts Out website. That's going to be getthefactsout.com tomorrow um, to expose climate deniers in the executive branch and Congress. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about why climate denial, the climate denial that we're seeing um, keeps coming from people in positions of power um, and why it's so dangerous? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think there's multiple ways of tackling this really important question. Um, and first, I'd like to talk about why it's so dangerous. Um, yeah. First and foremost, um, the danger of, of climate denial is realistically the lives of Americans, of community members, of people across the world. Um, it is a, a potential for a reality in which um, access to basic human rights, like the access, access to water, um, access to safe communities, um, is going to be um, in crisis if we do not address uh, the existential climate crisis that we are living in. Um, this is not a crisis uh, that is, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. Um, this is a crisis that we have been seeing for decades. Um, we've seen extreme weather events like Hurricane Katrina um, that uh, killed and displaced hundreds of Black community members, thousands of Black community members. Um, we've seen it in Harvey. We've seen it in Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico in the wildfires of, of Arizona and California. Um, so climate denial is extremely dangerous, especially when it's being um, uh, continued by our uh, elected officials in Congress, in the administration, um, because it means that we're not meeting the, 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 the time, meeting the action that's needed to protect um, and serve our communities. Um, why is, is this happening? Uh, quite frankly, uh, corporate, um, corporate backing, uh, unwillingness to um, stand up for what is right. Uh, and really uh, what we've seen is that some of these politicians, especially um, you know, folks in, in, the, in the Trump administration, um, you know, like former EPA administer, administrator Scott Pruitt, that they have deep, deep connections to these corporate bodies um, and that those connections um, are resulting in inefficient um, policymaking and uh, governance that is just going to continue to harm communities. 
Yeah, I, and I th- sorry, I think my microphone was on mute for a second there. Um, I, I think that that's right. It's, it's dangerous and uh, people are just being, uh, policymakers are being pulled in a bunch of different directions on this um, and not always <laughs> listening to their constituents. Um, Jessica, what do you think? I mean, why is it that we're seeing um, people in positions of power continue to back, to deny what 97% of um, scientists agree on? Um, I think that they're uh, they're continuing to deny it because they are um, afraid to lose their seats, <laughs> um, and uh, that they are very uh, very much aware that the corporate um, dollars that come from um, you know uh, corporate PACs um, from the oil and gas industry play a big role in their uh, campaigns. Um, and so, um, you know, unless we are able to tackle some of the issues around campaign finances and um, issues of uh, collaboration uh, or connections between our elected officials and corporate entities in which they are responsible for oversight um, and, uh, you know, accountability, then we won't see um, the action that needs to be taken to solve the kind climate crisis uh, and protect communities. Yeah, I think that's I think that's exactly right. Like it's uh, um, it's it's too easy for um, shady money to, to get passed around um, and people to be able or, you know, elected officials to be able to listen to that instead of um, what their constituents need. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and this is, oh. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, this is Shaughnessy. I mean, I would I would also put some of the blame on us. I mean, too often these politicians that hold really indefensible positions like denial of of human caused climate change go unchallenged. And the reality is, is that politicians are in the business of self-preservation. And when it becomes difficult for them to get reelected because they're holding these indefensible positions, they'll stop doing it. But too often they go unchallenged and not enough people vote. You know, I, so it's really interesting. And I think in a lot of these seats, one other component of it that we haven't talked about is the role of gerrymandering and how many Absolutely. seats, particularly in Congress, are deciding in the decided in the primary rather than the general. And so when you talk about the role of corporate money and you talk about uh, gerrymandering and the fact that seats are essentially safe once you get through primaries in a lot of places, uh, there's that's the that's the opportunity to sort of have a real election and it doesn't come in the general. And so, uh, you know, Shaughnessy, as you think about the work that you do, how are you approaching, we have just about a little more than a minute here, how are you approaching uh, the efforts to get more scientists into office given these challenges that we just talked about? Well, I think we do see from a growing number of Americans that climate is uh, increasingly uh, a priority and a concern for them. And I would, I would say the current situation that our country's in uh, with this pandemic, the inequalities that is, it has exposed, but also uh, the folly of ignoring science and expertise uh, has really, um, that's really uh, been shown to a lot of Americans that perhaps hadn't noticed it before. And I think that's, there's a parallel uh, to the denial of climate change as there is to the uh, effective, you know, of denying a pandemic. Yeah, I mean, there's so many parallels here, right? So w- the science was ignored for so long. We were told 
uh, everything from don't wear masks to this is a hoax to businesses should reopen. And now here we are five months in, and it looks like, although we've seen one press conference go well, followed by another that goes awry, and uh, sorry, I'll digress. We haven't followed science. We see the impacts in real time with coronavirus. We're also seeing the impacts in real time with the climate crisis. And so as we, when we come back from this break here, I think it'll be important for us to talk a little bit more about the ways in which folks can get involved and how we tackle climate crisis and get folks into those seats. Uh, we'll be right back with the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at lesliemarshallshow.com. Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets. Hello, and welcome back to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm your co-host, Brent J. Cohen. And I'm Charlotte Hancock. And we are talking today about the climate crisis and the science behind it and the absolute danger and threat of uh, climate denial and what that results in in terms of inaction to combat climate crisis. Uh, And we're doing this in part because tomorrow Generation Progress is launching GetTheFactsOut.com, a campaign that is about identifying climate deniers in powerful federal government positions and calling on them to follow the science. Joining us for our conversation today are Jessica Loya, an environmental advocate and equitable policy strategist, and Shauna Signaton, president of 314 Action. Uh, Thanks so much for coming back here with us, Jessica and Shaughnessy. We really appreciate it. Um, Yeah. So, um, Jessica, uh, protecting the climate is such a huge priority for young people. Uh, Nearly three in four young people between the ages of 18 and 34 uh, that were surveyed for a recent Teen Vogue poll said that they agree that our future is at risk because of climate change. Um, including, as we mentioned at the in the intro, 60% of self-identified young Republicans. Why do you think this issue is so important to younger Americans? You know, um, as someone that's within that age group myself, um, this issue is important to us because this is our future. This is the future of our potential children. Um, you know, we're hearing from from the UN that um, you know these efforts to uh, come to mini- mitigate and uh, reduce our greenhouse gas emissions has to happen in the next um, you know ten to twelve years. We're, we're you know in our in our lifetimes, we continue to hear about species uh, going extinct or on the brink of extinction. Um, you know, we are witnessing massive wildfires, hurricanes. Um, the issue of, of climate is, is not one that's um, abstract. Um, it's in fact something that we, we can see. We probably know of someone um, who uh, is in our family or in our community or, um, you know, uh, an extension uh, of of our community um, who are being impacted by climate change. And so 
Um, I think young people are ready to take the the mantle of leadership and demand action um, by those in power right now um, for for their future. Yeah. I love I love the way you uh, frame it. Take the mantle of leadership and demand action. Like it's not just young people like asking for uh, asking for. Com- asking Congress for action. It is Congress, like it is young people running for Congress and running for um, elected positions, you know, realizing that they can make a difference on climate change um, by uh, being on, you know, community review boards or being part of um, local government um, positions that I think uh, people started to realize actually exist and are important when they see stuff like uh, like the the Flint water crisis, you know, if the right people had been in power to um, review some of that, uh, it wouldn't have been the way it wouldn't have turned out the way that it did. Um, so I think you're totally right. It's like young people seizing power when they see like, oh, there's a problem here. Um, and I, there's something that like I can do. I don't have to just like be a senator to um, make a difference on climate change in my community and how big business is impacting climate change my community. I, I think that's awesome. Um, so for, I think my next question, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No. And I, I would just, this is Shaughnessy. I would just add that it's actually, um, it's just more shocking that, uh, more people in power aren't making this a priority and taking climate seriously. You know, have you ever heard of a politician not running for office? Have you, have, you ever heard one not claiming they're doing it for their children, whether, you know, they're worried about bu- budget deficits or, um, you know, or the future of the country? Uh, you would think climate change, which, you know, poses an existential threat to us all, uh, would receive the same level of, uh, you know, of care. Right. Like people care about education funding. They care about the schools that their kids go to. They equally care um, whether their kids can breathe because there are uh, emission standards um, that are not up to par on this sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, And and, and climate is a force multiplier. I mean, you know, uh, wars and and, um, other Terrible events will happen when people um, are, you know, forced to migrate because of uh, the effects of climate change. And and to add to that, you know, we're seeing that today in our own country. Um, you know, I think that we cannot deny um, the fact that um, the migration of um, people from Central and South America, um, particularly from from countries like Guatemala and Honduras um, are not coming to the U.S., uh, you know, are coming to the U.S. because they've been impacted um, by climate issues, Um, decades-long droughts, um, you know, inability to um, have subsistence farming that's leading them um, into cities that are crowded, don't have the social services for them. Um, And then they have to make the very difficult choice to leave their home um, and come to another country um, only to be met with, uh, you know, uh, doors locked um, or in this case, children, your children being put in cages um, by this administration. So, you know, we we cannot um, we we should really realize that the climate crisis is not just an issue um, of the environment. It is going to be an issue that impacts um, all aspects of our lives. 
I, you know, that's such a good point, and I think brings us back in some ways to where we started really talking about the intersectionality of this from, you know, the healthcare issues around asthma, the connections to the current coronavirus crisis and COVID-19, and as you're talking about now, migration patterns and the and, and then how the sort of cruelty of this administration's immigration policies intersect with climate policy uh, and really needing to take a holistic look at it. I feel like, you know, it wasn't that long ago for me that, I, you know, I can say I didn't understand the full scope of, of the climate crisis. And now just a few years later, like about 10 years later, I don't understand how anybody can't see it um, because it's, it's just all around us. And... And frankly, it's it's an opportunity to write uh, action on climate is an opportunity to right a lot of wrongs in our society, a lot of the inequalities, but also create the jobs and industries of tomorrow. And it's just a complete missed opportunity for us to not be making serious investment in transitioning away from from fossil fuels, so we can make sure that we're. Uh, creating those jobs and industries here in the United States than exporting clean energy throughout the world. Thanks, Shaughnessy. So, so as you think about um, for people who are either in government or, uh, you know, who may be in government in the future administration, um, who do believe in the science of climate change, what policy steps should they be taking now to, to take action on climate, on the climate crisis? Well, there, there really isn't any action that's, that's too small to start with. You know, I, I hear from uh, scientists that were elected to their school boards who made improvements to the, to the schools to improve energy efficiency. You know, county commissioners who are uh, rethinking their public transportation systems so that, um, you know, they're improving their local communities, making them more efficient and greener, greening their, their buildings. Um, but also creating templates for other communities to, um, you know, to, to copy. Uh, uh, at the federal level, I, I, I think we, we do need <laughs> action on climate change, but uh, with the current makeup of the Senate, um, that is just not going to happen. So I think it's incredibly important for people to get involved at the state and local level where a lot of, a lot of change and important uh, work can be done to reduce emissions and and create more opportunities. Absolutely, that that makes so much sense here. And as we, you know, think about what that looks like, and the fact that uh, this isn't just federal office holders that have a responsibility and an opportunity here to make a difference and act on climate change. It's it's all of us in our individual capacities. It's business owners, it's activists, it's advocates. And it's also local elected officials, city council members, mayors, et cetera. And so as we, um, as we prepare here, uh, we're going to go to break in just a second. And we'll be right back to talk a bit more with Jessica and Shaughnessy about the work of climate crisis, the, the danger of uh, climate denial, and what we can all be doing in our respective capacities to, to take action and combat the climate crisis today. We'll be right back. Leslie Marshall, real people, real life, real talk. Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets. 
Welcome back to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I am your co-host, Charlotte Hancock. And I'm Brent A. Cohen. Um, and thanks, everybody, for coming back with us for our final segment on this show. Um, we've been talking today um, about getting the facts out um, and getting the facts out on climate change, pushing back on um the dangerous uh, myths around climate denial. Um, and we're doing that because Generation Progress is launching, um, a, relaunching a website tomorrow, getthefactsout.com. You all should uh, check it out when we go live. Um, it'll be a great resource for holding um, your elected officials and members of the Trump administration accountable when they are denying the facts on climate change. Um, so we have with us uh now, I was going to say here in studio out of habit, but joining us remotely um, as everybody is working remotely. Um, we have Jessica Loya, an environmental advocate and equitable policy strategist. Thanks so much for coming back with us, Jessica. Great to be with you guys. And we also have Shaughnessy Naughton, the president of 314 Action. Shaughnessy, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Yeah. So um, I think I think my big question um, here is, uh, I, I guess, let's start, Jessica, with you. Do you have any suggestions for people who are looking for ways to get involved right now? I mean, this the climate crisis is more pressing than ever. Um, we need to make sure um, that standards uh, are high from the EPA, um, from Congress, uh, to uh, local legislators to make sure that, um, you know, more than ever, as we're all fighting this pandemic, that um, environmental factors are not something that are exacerbating this. Um, what are ways that people can get involved to make sure that they're making a difference? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, uh, as a young millennial, I always like to think about like, well, what do I already spend time on, right? Mm -hmm. um, and how can I make sure that the time I'm doing is useful? Um, my first recommendation is just make sure you're following both on social media or through newsletters, um, really great organizations and leaders who are trying to ensure that um, the facts get put out there and that uh, we are following the leadership of Black and Indigenous and people of color um, who have been on the front lines of the impacts of climate change, but also who have been um, solutionaries. They are creating the solutions, um, talking with community members um, about how best to solve the climate crisis in a way that's equitable and trust and just. So um, if you're on uh, Instagram, I suggest you follow people like um, We Act for Environmental Justice, a, a longstanding environmental justice group out of um, New York, um, or the Indigenous Environmental uh, Network, uh, who, you know, are have been at the forefront of some of the um, activism and work that has led to stopping the Keystone uh, XL pipeline and other pipelines across the country um, more recently. So definitely be definitely go uh, look up some um, some dope Black and Indigenous and other people of color leaders uh, and learn from them. Uh, donate to them. Um, share their information with more people around you. Um, so and I think that, yeah. I'm sorry, Jessica, go ahead. Uh, and I, my last thing was just uh, register to vote. Make sure that you're registered, your family's registered, 
um, and that you are uh, being safe while you're voting if you can do mail-in ballots uh, or being safe in, out there in November. Yeah, I really appreciate um, you highlighting that because I think it's so important to know in any conversation about climate change and the climate crisis that no solution is going to be as impactful and inclusive as it needs to be without looking to the leadership of the people who are most impacted. And it is absolutely not an accident. Uh, it is through systemic racism. It is through a history of redlining and putting uh, members of the black and brown communities into uh, neighborhoods that were were considered less desirable, um, that black and brown communities, um, indigenous communities are often facing um, the worst ramifications, the worst results of the climate crisis and have uh, so often um, the least access to, um, to power to be able to change that. So I think that that is exactly right. We really need to be amplifying those voices to make sure that the solutions that these communities are highlighting um, are a, a key part of uh, whatever Congress does do. Um, um, to fix this crisis. Um, I think that is a great point. Um, Shaughnessy, uh, what about you? Uh, what do you think about, um, what suggestions do you have for people who are looking for ways to get involved right now? Um, what should people be calling their representatives and asking for? Um, they should be they should be asking them what they're going to do about climate. Uh, you know, letting your elected officials know that this is a priority for you. They are incredibly receptive to um, when you're uh, when you're even if your member of Congress is the most anti-science member in the delegation, they still know how to count and they count the calls that come into their office. And when someone calls to make a point on uh, respectfully make a point, but make a point on an issue that they think the congressperson is not uh, putting enough attention to or, or uh, outright denying like on climate change, uh, they record that and it does it does move them. Um, and so I really encourage people to, um, you know, to contact their representatives to pay attention to what is is happening from the, you know, from their local government on up. Um, you know, a lot of mischief, but a lot of good things can be done at the local level um, and and to vote. You know, we saw a lot of people protesting um, this spring, uh, which was very important. Uh, and uh, can also, you know, sometimes when we're talking about these issues like climate change or systemic racism, you know, they can feel so big that they're, you don't know where to start. Um, and the first start, I would say, was the protest. The second needs to vote, needs to be to vote and to vote every year. Uh, we have elections every year in this country, not just every four years. Um, and I think that that's incredibly important. And finally, um, you know, to ask, uh, you know, to think about where your uh, your dollars are going and your and your talent is going. If you work for a large corporation, what is their climate action plan? You know, when you're thinking about where uh, you're you're spending your money, think about the the corporations or um, you know that have uh, good climate action plans and are being responsible stewards of the environment. Um, I think all of that is 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 important and useful. Hit them in the wallet. Hit them in the wallet. <laughs> you know, Charlotte, two two very quick things. Um, just responding. So one, uh, since 1980, going all the way back to the baby boomers generation, between uh, 30 and 50 percent of young people ages 18 to 24 have voted in presidential elections, and we know those numbers are, tend to be higher because of systemic barriers for young people. Uh, when it comes to presidential elections, we are going to see Gen Z blast through 
the the recent high, which was 49% in 2008, when it was uh, uh, our generation and millennials, my generation. And I have no doubt Gen Z is going to tear through that. So really excited about seeing this energy translate to the voting booth. Um, and the second thing is I, I immediately took Jessica's advice and uh, followed the Indigenous Environmental Network on Instagram. And the very first person I see on there is Dallas Goldtooth, my uh, my old friend from college days. And so, yes, I co-sign. Uh, make sure that you are following <laughs> folks like the Indigenous Environmental Network, uh, incredibly powerful. Uh, you could, of course, follow us at Gen Progress on all digital platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, Jessica, and uh, where, where can folks find more information about you, Jessica, on social media? Yeah, um, folks can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at DC underscore Enviro Latina. Um, and I try to cover uh, what's happening in DC environmental policy from a uh, equity and justice perspective. Thanks, Jessica. And Shaughnessy, where can folks find uh, more info about you and, and 314 Action? Uh, well, you can find more information about 314 um, at 314Action is our uh, Twitter handle and uh, Facebook. Um, I'm also on Twitter at Vote Shaughnessy, left over from the <laughs> past campaign. Um, and um, and again, uh, make sure to be paying attention to uh, your your local elected officials as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, well, that is just about all the time that we have for today. Um, I really want to say thank you so much to today's guests. Um, just a, a quick reminder, we had on the show Jessica Loya um, and Shaughnessy Naughton. Um, I really want to thank also our producer, Mark Grimaldi. Thank you so much for keeping us uh, on the straight and narrow. Um, and of course, our senior press associate, Emily Leach. We could absolutely not do this without you every week. Um, and obviously to all of our listeners, thank you so much all to listening to us. Um, and if you are interested in taking action to get the facts out on climate change, uh, we urge you to go to the campaign's website at getthefactsout.com and use our click to tweet tool to tell your representatives in Congress and members of the Trump administration that their denial of climate change um, is wrong and uh, it's dangerous. Um, so make sure to, to check that out tomorrow when we go live. Um, and also uh, keep in touch with Generation Progress. Make sure you go check us out on Twitter and our Instagram using the handle at Gen Progress. Uh, we will talk to you again on our next Remote Generation Progress takeover of The Leslie Marshall Show. Add a little play to your day with the Michigan Lottery. Over 90 online instant games to choose from with prizes up to $500,000. A Marquette County woman recently won $250,000 playing online. Could you be next? Sign up online today to receive 10 free games with promo code FUN. Visit michiganlottery.com to add a little play to your day. With the new iPhone SE for less than 100 bucks at Metro, you rule. It's the most affordable iPhone on the number one brand in prepaid. So whether you're studying online or FaceTiming. Hey, Mom. Hi, dear. The iPhone SE has all you need. Switch to Metro and get the iPhone SE for $99.99 after rebate redemption and six months of service with AutoPay. Metro by T-Mobile. Rule your day. Limit one per account slash household. Requires port and ID validation. Not valid for numbers currently on the T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Restrictions apply. See store for details.